Oh, yeah, what? Huh? We didn't start already? I thought this was the show. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Are we allowed to call this guy a gaping asshole? I don't even probably remember not. his name. Yeah, probably, I guess that's probably, probably not, not a good idea. Probably not cool. Welcome to Welcome, 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 welcome. Oh, I got to make sure that I, I'm going to say enough welcome so that this is episode 99. So welcome, 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 welcome to episode 99 of the this Vegas 99? Game. I thought we were going to do some other ones in between here and there. No, oh, yeah. those will be like 99B and C. Oh, okay, all right, versioning. Yeah, exactly. Um, the point is that uh, our October whatever episode will be 100 because that's just the way we roll. Um, welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for September 19th, 2013. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. Let me go around the table and introduce my co-host. We have Mr. Chuck Monster, the editor-in-chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Not all that much. I'm very happy to be here with my two Vegas mate pals. I love talking to you guys. Always a pleasure. Yes. And of course... Author extraordinaire, <laughs> proclaimer of excellence. Yeah, Dr. Dave Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research, and of course, the world's most preeminent expert on all things gaming. Hey, Dave. Yes. Hey there. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. Uh, <laughs> my name is Hunter Hilligus. Thank you for joining us. Um, as is typical, we're going to start the show with some announcements, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of our projects because um, we have some important news on several fronts so we'll try not to bore you too much with this stuff and move through it relatively quickly um dave i want to start with your book because an important milestone was it today or yesterday or yesterday yesterday um the completion of your kickstarter campaign so why don't you tell us uh since the last episode how it went how did your kickstarter end up well, it ended up that we exceeded the initial goal by about 260%, which is really awesome. We made the initial goal in less than four hours. And I attribute this solely to the strength of the Vegas Internet Mafia, to all the listeners, to everybody who listens to 500 and this show and 360 and all the other podcasts. I mean, that's that's really what did it. You know, being able to look at the stats where all of the pledges came from, you know, it's pretty clear that it all came from this community. Yeah. Now, we're, we're lucky in that regard, and I think people have really embraced the project, and I think that's good because it's very cool. And I'm glad that not only did were you able to raise what you needed to make the thing happen, but um, you, know, you got through to what you were referring to as your, as your stretch goal, right? Which I believe you had said yeah. previously means you're going to be able to do some expanded marketing and some other stuff that otherwise you would not have been able to do. Expanded marketing, more um, being able to send out more review copies to get the book reviewed in some more places. Going to have fun postcards at VIMF, and I'll see what else I can I can get for my money. But it's pretty cool, um, and just Kickstarter went so well. I I just had such a good experience with it, and I'm very very happy. That's excellent. That is excellent. So. Um, 
I guess, let's see. So why don't you give us a brief overview of the production status of the book and what's coming next? So for those folks that backed the project at a level where they would be receiving a copy or for those people that didn't necessarily do that or didn't back it at all but are just curious when they might be able to get the book, um, what's the rest of this process going to look like? rest of the process looks like this. The interior of the book is pretty much done. I'm fiddling with a couple of graphical things, but it's pretty much finished. If you if you backed at a level where you're getting the acknowledgments and you hate your um, Kickstarter profile name and want me to put your nickname or something, whatever it is, you know, um, I don't know what, what your nickname would be, but if you want me to put that in there, you should let me know as soon as possible because I'm hopefully going to be printing out a print proof this weekend to get that out there. Once I get the print proof, I run through it and make sure that there's no unexpected errors in there. Nothing is going wrong, which is always fun because there's always more typos than you catch. Yeah. And that's always fun. Um, but then pretty much after I get that and I see it's good, it goes into production. So it'll be up on Amazon and I'm going to order a bunch of copies and have them at VIMF. Now, if you selected, if you went at $75 or above and you're going to, and you're getting a signed copy, I'm going to send out a survey. And if you're going to be a VIMF, I will just give it to you right there and I'll sign it for you in person, um, which I think is going to be a lot more fun than getting it in the mail. And then you can carry it around town and all that other fun stuff. So if you're going to be there, you'll get it there. If not, I'll send a survey and you can let me know what your address is so I can send you the copy. And that's pretty much it. You know, any, also people who put, who pledged at the 150 level and get the special mention at VIMF, I will ask you if you want any kind of special, I don't know, you know, screen name, yeah. Twitter handle, whatever. Very cool. So yeah, all in the, all in the customers are always right. You know, customers are always right. So yeah, whatever you want it to be um, is fine. Uh, very cool. So yes, definitely those of you that are attending VIMPF, um, you'll have an opportunity to uh, to pick up your wares there, barring some unforeseen disaster, um, which will be very cool. And Dave? yes, Charles, I'm will, not Dave, Dave? but I'm I'm <clears throat> you has this you have the spirit stick. You may speak. Oh, okay, great. Uh, I was just curious, uh, Dave. Will people who have not purchased the book be able to purchase it live in person at the event? Uh, good question. Yes, they will. And I, you know, probably shouldn't kind of plan group plan on the fly here, but I don't know if we're going to have any kind of credit card payment system there, Square or anything like that available. I'm certainly looking into looking into doing that myself, but if we're going to be, you know, I guess we'll talk about that amongst ourselves, but yes, it will definitely be available for purchase, definitely with cash, potentially with credit cards too. I've got to yeah. see what the story you is should, for that. You should sign up for Square. It's really simple, a um, little dongle for your phone or tablet that uh, makes – I've used it for random stuff, and it is probably the easiest way to uh, to accept funds, and I think it's – relatively uh, inexpensive in terms of the percentages they charge compared to other solutions. So you should take a look. You can go in and they have the little dongles. You can like, I think they even have them at the Apple store. Um, If you don't want to, they'll send one to you for free or you can go to Apple. I think they charge you 10 bucks, but you get a $10 credit. So it's basically free. Um, So yeah, I've used it a bunch. It's very cool. Uh, That totally works for something like that. So probably will be available for credit card as well. Yeah. So Um, it's good for everybody. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yes. So let's see. Um, since we're on the topic of VIMF, why don't we talk about that right now? 
Um, as we've mentioned several times on this show, and you've probably heard on other shows like 500 by Midnight, we will be participating in the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic. Um, that event will be held uh, in October at the D. So, um, you know, those of you that are coming or aren't already familiar with it, it's October 19th at the D, downtown Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Um, there are several events uh, throughout the course of that weekend. And um, I definitely would encourage you to go to uh, VegasInternetMafia.com to see the complete breakdown. The quote-unquote main event, which is where you'll see a live version of this show with our interview guest, uh, Seth Shore, who's opening Downtown Grand right around that time. So we're going to have a lot to talk about with him. Um, the aforementioned uh, Grandissimo launch, which is going to be fantastic. You're going to get a chance to... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll get Dave to talk a little bit about about the book as part of that process. So we'll uh, mm -hmm. cajole him into uh, sharing some anecdotes, <laughs> stories, and experiences. Um, of course, the aforementioned Five Hundred by Midnight, everybody's uh, favorite Midwestern uh, Midwestern podcasters, the Simple Man and his wife, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and a uh, if you have not been to one of these events before, it's Pretty hard to explain the insanity that is VT Match Game, but um, <laughs> you know it is something. It is a sight to be seen, and uh, you just gotta go and see it for yourself. So those events will be making up the main event. We've also got the Vimp Tucky Derby, um, our uh, Sigma Derby contest, and we've got the um, World Series of Satin Casino Jackets. Also, a very exciting <laughs> event. All of this information is at VegasInternetMafia.com, including a promo code for the hotel. Um, though, uh, hopefully, if you're coming at this point, you have uh, figured out your accommodations. But uh, it is there if you need it. Um, I'd look. like to add that yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two weeks or so before the event, we will be publishing a... A uh, mobile-friendly schedule of events and a downloadable flyer and whatnot. So you can have all your VIMF-related information at your fingertips. That is mucho excelente. Yes, things are sort of going into overdrive here at uh, VIMF Planning Distributed Headquarters. <laughs> um, it, it, it's starting to feel very real, which I guess, you know, we're, what, one month out right now, right? Because mm -hmm. it's yep. the 19th, the 19th. So, um We've got a month to go. We've got collateral materials being created and printed and designed and bled into. It's going to be great. Um, we're very much excited. Um, everybody I talk to is super excited. So I think it's going to be a really great event. And we hope that you can come. This Oh, one thing I do want to mention, because this question has come up a few times. Um, the event is free. So people have asked, you know, how do I get tickets? How much do they cost? You don't have to pay anything to go to the event. Um, there is a Facebook event that I set up, which is you don't have to join it or if you don't like Facebook or whatever, that's fine. The only, we have it to kind of give us an idea of how many people might be attending. So if you do have a Facebook account and don't mind going there to check the box, uh, that would be great. But if not, that's fine too. You don't, it's not a requirement. Um, just gives us an idea of how many people to expect. So I think it's going to be an awesome, good time, and we are super looking forward to it. Hopefully I remembered everything there. Yes. All right. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get into – excuse me, before we get into topics. And that is the gong, the, my new gong. 
I love it so much. Um, no, I wanted to talk about the launch of Vegas Mate 4, which was actually this week, uh, Wednesday, yesterday, as we're recording this, Wednesday the 18th of September. So, um, you know, Vegas Mate is uh, a travel guide app for the iPhone and the iPad, and um, it's been in the App Store since 2008, and it's been through quite a few iterations. Actually, today I was looking at uh, part of the um, site that we use to deploy stuff to the App Store, and it had a list of all the different versions that I've ever done for Vegas Mate, and it was like two screenfuls of of stuff. There's been quite a few versions, even more than I remembered over the course of uh, of all that time. So there's been quite a few updates, but this is actually um, in many ways like an entirely new app. So. Those folks that uh, aren't aware um, or aren't plugged into tech stuff, you may not be aware that Apple released the newest version of their software yesterday, Wednesday, called iOS 7, which is a a um, pretty dramatic redesign of their operating system. Things look quite a bit different and work differently, and there's new features that can be taken advantage of. And so, you know, Apple unveiled this to developers back in June, and since then I've been working hard to create this updated version that um, would take advantage of the new features and also give me a platform to add stuff in the future. Um, it was uh, in many ways nice to be able to more or less start over and have a clean slate and adopt all the newest, latest and greatest technologies that uh, are available that would have been harder to to bolt on after the fact. So it was a lot of fun. Um, super excited to get the app into the store. The um, response so far has been really, really great. I'm humbled and flattered by all of the nice things that people have said about it. Um, and mostly, I'm I'm just excited for the future. It's it feels like a shiny new shiny new toy to me that I get to. I've got a lot of ideas for other features that I want to add that um, would have been you know if not impossible, really hard to do on the older platform. And so I think there's a ton of potential for new stuff, and um, nah, it's exciting. It's exciting to uh, to see it finally see it out there. And, um, you know, I'll be releasing some updates over the course of uh, the next few weeks to iron out a couple of little issues here and there. But, um, you know, generally speaking, it's gone really well. So uh, if you're a Vegas Mate user, I would um, suggest that you go to the App Store and apply the update if you have not already. And if you have not checked out Vegas Mate before, it is available for $1.99 in the App Store. You can search for Vegas Mate and find it. No problem. It'll work on your iPhone or your iPad. And, um, yeah, lots more to come. So super excited about that. And uh, thanks to everybody that has been so supportive. Um, the other thing app-wise, real quick, is the Vegas List app, which is um, works fine on iOS 7 but is not optimized for it. And that will be coming sometime. I, with uh, Vegas Mate and Vimp and stuff, it, honestly, it'll probably be – November, I would guess, before uh, a new version is ready that is fully optimized for iOS 7. But it's definitely coming. Looking forward to um, moving that along as well. So uh, <clears throat> both of those are in the App Store, and they will be in the show notes in case you have trouble finding them for some reason. So that is Appland. All right. Da -da -da. Topics for today. We've got sort of a a grab bag of topics here in um, in our list for today. Uh, some stories I'm looking forward to to uh, asking Dave about a trip he went on. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the one one follow up item we talked about in newspapers a little bit 
on our last show uh, with the issue related uh, the Las Vegas Sun and the the um, Greenspun family being somewhat seemingly internally split on um, you know whether more or less whether it should continue or not. It it seems like uh, three of the four board members there are um, happy to take uh, what is equivalently some a payout to. Um, and have the the newspaper dissolve their joint operating agreement with their competitor, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Well, that uh, that story continues, though there was some news since the last show that we did. Um, basically, the there was a, a court hearing, and the gist of it that I got was that the courts don't seem super inclined to stand in the way of this deal. So it sounds like, um, barring some kind of change. Or something else happening in the future, unless Brian Greenspun can convince his uh, siblings to change their minds, or he can uh, can and wants to raise money to run the place himself. I'm sort of wondering if uh, the sun is going to be over with. I, I didn't I I didn't get the impression from the reporting on the court hearings that that uh, the legal system was going to. Was saw this as some kind of existential threat to Las Vegas's continued existence. Um, I don't, Dave. I don't know. Did you follow this at all as it was winding its way through the courts? Am I misreading uh, this? This is the this is the feeling I got reading the coverage. Yeah, I think you're quite correct. You know, that's definitely the sense here. Yeah. So you know, it's um, not exactly clear what this timeline is going to look like. Um, some people were at one point were speculating that the sun would already be history at this point. And clearly that's not the case. They're still publishing. Um, their website's still being updated with all those bikini photos. Um, <laughs> so clearly they have people on the case. Um, but, Hard research. Uh, yeah. Tough but, job. Yeah. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being mean, but, um, but uh, it still continues. But uh, we'll see what happens. It doesn't – it does – I would say at this point, at least the way I read it, it does not look good for the Las Vegas Sun. Um and so it'll definitely will be interesting, and it will be a, a marked change, I think, if if it goes away. And especially, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens to all of the affiliated publications like Vegas Inc. and Las Vegas Weekly. <clears throat> I you know we'll have to see. Um, uh, you would think that there's got to be something there worth salvaging, but I don't know uh, what their business operations look like. Speaking of that, you know, I just I just want to throw in again. I, I talked about this last time too. The weeklies also do a pretty good job of providing independent editorial voices. And if you look, you know, not like I'm biased or anything, but you look at Vegas Seven, you'll see some really good reporting in there that I think rivals either of the weeklies. You know, if you look at the actual content that you original content that that you get on a weekly basis. Yeah. So I think that's that's something there's something to be said for that too it's not like there's going to be total dearth of competition right and i think that else that does undermine um you know the argument that uh somehow you know the sun has to exist for las vegas to continue to exist right you know it's funny here in santa barbara where i live we have a daily newspaper that is pretty much a joke um that has been gutted it was at one point owned by the new york times they sold it to a local uh, basically, a local rich lady um, who really gutted the paper and um, delegitimized it quite a bit. And in its in its place, uh, we have 
both a really strong weekly that does a lot of stuff online. Now, I'm biased. My wife works at that paper, so <laughs> I have to make sure I say that. But it it, it is interesting since you mentioned that. Um, it's definitely true there are places where uh, the the weekly papers do a lot more than maybe their names suggest. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to unfold. Um, we'll see. All right, Dave, I want to start with you. I want to talk about uh, Monte Carlo. So you went down to the Strip, you walked past Diablos, um, and you spent you know a bunch of time at Monte- in Monte Carlo, right? That's that's your story? Well, not exactly. Okay. I actually got on a plane and flew to Heathrow, then I got another plane and flew to Nice, then got in a little cab-type thing, shuttle, and drove, well, was driven, all the way to Monaco and the original Monte Carlo Casino. So what what I guess I want to hear all about this because I didn't even realize that you uh that you had gone and this is a place I've never been. I've of course seen it in TV and the movies and stuff. Um but uh, I'm I'm curious. So how did this come about and what was it like? I was asked to speak to a group of alumni from Cass Business School, which is a group that I work with. They they're the MBA students who come over from London in February usually and I do a fair amount of work with them on their on their Las Vegas elective. So they wanted something a little bit different, so they had me and Oliver who also works with the group give a talk about what Las Vegas is and how London might be able to learn something from it. So it was very nice experience, you know, getting to go out there, getting to see. For me, it was quite a treat to get to see Monaco for the first time because, of course, growing up in Atlantic City, being surrounded by gambling, you always hear so much about, well, Monte Carlo is so great. It's so wonderful that uh, it was nice to finally see it. Yeah. So this was your first time there, yeah? Yes. Um. What so you know? It's a relatively small uh, area, right? I mean, it's you know, it's it's virtually tiny, isn't it? It is. It's a little tiny principality, right? I think the correct word is. But the thing that struck me, you know, when I got back, I looked, of course, because I'm a total nerd. I went and looked up what their annual gaming revenue was, and it turns out that for all of Monaco, they've got five casinos there. The total gaming revenue is two hundred and thirty million dollars. Hmm. Which, to put that in perspective, all of Nevada is a little bit less than eleven billion mm-hmm. billion. The state of New Mexico's commercial casinos are about two hundred and forty million. Okay. So, as a worldwide gaming destination, it ranks somewhere below New Mexico in the sheer money one. <laughs> I, I'd rather go to Monaco than New Mexico, but <laughs> uh, that is interesting because you do at least the way it's portrayed in media is sort of as this super slick, you know, sort of James Bond style um, gaming experience. But uh, apparently, it's it's not really it's not it's, at least it's not pushing a lot of volume. It's not. It's really interesting because they're not getting a lot of American customers. They're not getting a lot of Asian customers. So it's kind of Europe and knowing the economic problems Europe has had over the past several years, you can understand why the gaming revenue has fallen so much. Right. But the thing, so basically my introduction to it was getting off the plane in Nice at nine o'clock at night, getting this cab to Monaco and the driver decides to drive me by the casino and you just see, it's just lit and you see the twin spires, of the casino. And he's saying, you know, there's more Ferraris per square yard here than anywhere else in all of Europe, you know, and you're like, wow, there's all these cool cars. I know our longtime listener, Jeff, uh, from OKC would probably have been in heaven there. 
with all these <laughs> fancy sports cars. So it's like, you know, yeah, you could see this being very glamorous and all that. I, I came back the next day and got a tour and it did, it did not seem quite so glamorous in the daylight. Mm, interesting. It's very, it, it, it's fascinating. So the main, you kind of walk up these steps and it's almost like you're going into a museum and you go into this ante room and it's, it again, looks like a museum or an art gallery. And then you go, you take another step into the casino itself. And the first room is imagine like three dozen, two or three year old IGT and Bally titles, mm-hmm. slot titles, kind of jammed into an art gallery. Hmm, interesting. That's pretty much what it looks like. But it's not performance art type stuff. So it's like, whoa, really? They've got, huh, well, that's that's interesting. And then in the main room, I was amazed to discover most of the roulette games are American roulette with a double zero. Really? Yeah. They had one European roulette game in the main room, and then the other ones were in the VIP rooms. So yeah, that really shocked me. Interesting. And in general, you... You know, you think of it as James Bond and all that. Right. But I kind of, my my perception was, was that there's a lot of people wearing shorts and t-shirts and they really would not have looked out of place at all anywhere on the strip or downtown. Huh. That's interesting. So the fanny pack ratio was higher than expected. Yeah. I mean, but it was, <laughs> you know, in their defense, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, albeit on a weekend. So that was kind of interesting. Ordered a martini. Uh, at the bar and had to restrain myself from saying shake and not stirred. Cause I know if I had said, said shake and not stirred, the bartender probably would have punched me in the balls. Yeah. And I honestly have to admit he would have been justified. Yeah. That was wise. <laughs> I couldn't have, could not have followed him for that. It's very um, wise. But they shake. I think they, sh- I think all martinis are shaken anyway, aren't they? Uh, they have a little shaker. I'm not a martini expert. But my, my understanding is that those instructions are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of fun. You know, I've got to admit there there is a certain ambiance in being in the casino at Monte Carlo and all the history there and having a martini and seeing that. So there's, it's really, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun getting to see that. And to me, it was also a little bit of a cautionary tale with, hey, here's a place that really stopped innovating a long time ago. And didn't keep up with the times, and there were shifting demographics and all kinds of these other big socioeconomic factors working against it. And you know what? Monaco is a great place. They have tons of millionaires and billionaires living there uh, because of the tax status. Right. But it's not really a gaming destination anymore, and they're okay with it. So it's one possible future for a city like Las Vegas. Uh-oh. Did you get a sense of what the mix of games was? Um, I'm always curious, different jurisdictions, slots versus tables, and what, what kind yes. of tables are popular? Actually, the most popular tables seem to be American Roulette. They had a little bit of blackjack, not so much. They had a lot of Chemin de Fer. I don't think I – and also Punto Banco, Punto Banco, which is pretty much Nevada Baccarat. So they had mm. a little bit of that. Most of it was roulette though. I mean, roulette was really the big draw. They even had Ultimate Texas Hold'em. Looking at the financials, I kind of went through their statements and I think they get 54% of their income from slots ah. for all five casinos. And here's the other weird thing. So you walk out of the famous Monte Carlo Casino and you make a right and you can go into this casino do – Casino de Café de Paris, de Paris, which is pretty much the pepper mill in Reno ah, in Europe. Boy. It's like the blue neon-esque lights. It, yes. it, it really felt like the pepper mill. 
Wow. So it's very interesting. And it was packed and there was tons of people there and they were gambling. So there's apparently a lot of people playing slot machines in that market, which you wouldn't have thought. So it's really a fascinating thing. And I, did, I think I stepped into another one of the casinos, but I didn't get to see two of them. If I recall correctly, um, Wynn Resorts did a deal, some kind of co-marketing agreement with with uh, one of those or more of those casinos at one point. I remember this like from like 2004, 2005, like maybe before even when Las Vegas opened. Um, and I don't really think much ever came of this. I think it was mostly some kind of like player sharing mark, co-marketing agreement. But based on your um, description, I can see why uh, the Wynn folks might not have felt uh, like – they were the competition was too stiff. Like it, maybe it was mutually beneficial. <laughs> well, there are. I mean, there's definitely a lot of high net worth people there, right? And you know, I'm not sure though in the in the global universe of gambling income, where you know now seventy five percent of it is coming from Asia. Right. You know, I'm not sure how well situated they are to capitalize on that. So that I think that's really where the where the big picture is. So so Chuck, as a little boy. You were staring up at your ceiling. Were you dreaming of Monaco and Monte Carlo? Oh, boy. I, what kind of a question is that? I don't know. I, I, think, I think so. I don't know. I, I'm fascinated by this. I really want to know what Dave was wearing. Were you wearing a tuxedo? Because I know if I went to Monte Carlo, the first thing I do when I got the plane tickets would be I got to go get a tuxedo. That's my – No tuxedo. It was no a shirt. Tux- I mean, just, it was a suit. No, it was a okay. suit. Not just a shirt. I was wearing a suit. I had pants and a jacket on, too. Okay, cool. And a tie, I think. Was there, there other no, there people was no in tie. T- uh, high dress people? None of that I, stuff. That's all a fraud, huh? No, it's not a fraud. I think it's just very dependent on what's on when you're there. So I think if you go there at a you know ten o'clock on a Saturday night and there's a show, probably you would find people in tuxes, but. You know, I definitely wasn't there when I was there. And there's, you know, they definitely have high limit rooms. There's a lot of, there's a lot of funny little things too. Like I just said, well, you know, when do you, you know, so when do you, how often are the high limit rooms opened up? How often do you have, you know, how often do you increase your table staffing? And uh, the guy said, well, when we have more dealers around, we open more tables. <laughs> Which doesn't seem to be. It's a very uh, European response. Yeah, very European. <laughs> you know, I could not picture. This flying in the strip, you know, where they're, you know, they're giving people early outs to save a little bit of money to shave a couple dollars off their expenses. So, yeah, it's very, very different. Kind of another funny thing that occurred to me after I was there is I remember when I was when I was a kid, the Playboy Casino opened up in Atlantic City and it had three levels. And the big hype was this is European style because they because Playboy had the London right. uh, casinos and everything. And this is European style and this is like Monte Carlo. And that was the first Atlantic City casino to get torn down. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how that – how you know Atlantic City was very vociferous about saying we do not want to be Las Vegas. We want to be Monte Carlo and they were just you know, stamping their feet about that. And it's like, well, your, your dream is kind of coming true because <laughs> in, point of, you know, in point of fact, I, I look – I compare the numbers and Atlantic City's gaming revenue fell by almost exactly the same percentage as Monte Carlo's gaming revenue from 2008 through today. So it's very – it's just a fascinating parallel there. Wow. So, Dave, I have some other questions. Sure. Uh, on top of the casino, there's a hotel, yes, no? No. The hotels no. – the, the, the company that owns the casino, SBM, also owns motels in the area. So it's, it's not really the integrated resort model. So the, the casino building itself is basically a bunch of big rooms, and there's a theater in there too. 
Then you've got the other slot casino. Then you've got hotels. Now, I will say this about the hotel. I st- I, they put me up at a place called Le, Le Meridian yeah. Hotel, which is really cool. You can go online. You can see the you can see the webcam view. And I swear to God, they have that webcam set up in my room because that view that they have there is the same exact angle as my room. It's like, it's beautiful right there in the French Riviera. And I've got to say the music selection was just the best ever. They, so imagine you're not a Millie Vanilli. No, I'm thinking Slayer. they They go from Led Zeppelin's Cashmere to Kelly, watch the stars by air. Huh. Like, whoa, this is like my own personal, you know, mixtape here. This is incredible. And just next thing I know, I'm walking around and I hear a song I'm like, this sounds kind of familiar. It's some French woman singing Dave Brubeck's Take Five. Hmm. And I don't know what the where she got the words from, but it's like, wow. So that kind of really cool stuff that Wynn used to do a little bit of, there's a ton of there. It's just really neat. And there's really nice mix of stuff. So the, the, whoever's choosing the music for them is doing a great job. Great, great ambiance there. Interesting. I'm really kind of surprised about this. There's a huge contingent of folks in the, in our little listener circle who are from Europe, Mm -hmm. UK that has a huge passion for, Las Vegas. Right. <laughs> you know, I get contacted by the Guardian pretty regularly to write something or contribute something to them, you know, and they're always saying that they have a big posse of European folks who are fascinated with Vegas and they keep going and coming and coming and coming and coming. Why not go to Monte Carlo? Obviously, the problem is with the product. Yeah, and I think they just don't want to be, they don't want to be Las Vegas. They want to have, you know, they have their own identity and the, I don't think there's a need for um, the, the principality doesn't need the gaming revenue. So even if they got a billion more dollars in gaming revenue, I don't know that they would need it. You know, I think they're doing pretty well as they are. And I think they're content to just be sort of this historical um, place that continues to offer gaming, but is better known for its history. That's, that's just my, that's just my thought. Writing but on the this, myth. Yeah, but this gives you an idea why Uncle Sheldon wants to build Euro Vegas in Spain. Right. Yeah. You know, he believes that there's this huge demand for it and that we would, you know, that they that they would be able to tap into this. And he, you know, he very well may be right. Yeah. So are you eager to go back? I think so. You know, it's definitely it was it was a really interesting experience being there, you know, just seeing a different kind of luxury, you know, more honestly, more so in the hotel than in the casino. So yeah, you know, I would definitely go back and it was really, I'm really glad I went because it just gave me a whole different perspective on history and on what's around today too. Huh. Well, cool. Um, yeah, sweet. Well, I'm glad that you shared that stuff with us. I, it's something, it's a place that I know almost nothing about other than what I see on movies or TV. Yeah. Fascinating stuff though. Very cool. So um, we're going to, I think, wing our way back to uh, Las Vegas to talk about a few things um, here before uh, before we wrap up for today. So we've got a few topics. Um, the first actually is uh, going back to you, Dave, something you wrote about Link. Um, so for those that are not following the Link story super closely, you know, it's getting uh, closer and closer to being ready to open. Um we see more and more photos of the high roller 
um, observation wheel thing um, nearing completion. I think the wheel itself is actually done. Now they just got to, you know, do all the uh, put the pods on and all the other associated stuff. So it's really coming along and the facades and the retail stuff is being fleshed out and all that. But you wrote about Link a week ago. Um, in the aforementioned Vegas 7, talking a little bit about some of the tenants. And, um, well, why don't you tell us what you wrote? Yeah, I wrote a little profile of Warren Struhl, S-T-R-U-H-L, who is a self-described serial entrepreneur. He's started lots of companies, and his latest one is something called the Polaroid Photo Bar. And the concept behind this was that he licensed the Polaroid name from Polaroid, who maybe eight years ago stopped manufacturing film. Right. And kind of, you know, because they are kind of the poster children for not making the transition to the digital world very well. Right. And think about that just for a second. Like they could have been like Instagram, right? If they were smarter about it. Like there's a very similar kind of vibe. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they totally didn't see it coming and like, well, no, 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 we're going to do it this way. So basically taking that, taking their IP, their name, and putting it on a product that lets you take photos from your phone and turn them into seems like semi-high-end wall coverings. So you can get your photos, you know, on canvas, on wood, on different surfaces. You can get them framed. And it's really about, they say, liberating your fo- your pictures from your phone because most people just leave them on their phone until they delete them. So finding a way to, to have people capture their special moments in their life and then get them in this special format and hang them on their walls. Right. So as far as um, as far as what that that choice of a tenant says about Link, I mean, what. How how do you think this impacts what Link is going to be or what Link's trying to be? I think it says that they're going for a they're going to go for a visitor there who has money to spend. There's also the obvious tie-in with the um, high roller, so presumably people would take pictures on the high roller and then have them memorialized with the photo bar. And you know, basically, Warren's concept was that he came out here for CES to promote the photo lab photo. Photo bar con photo labs another thing photo bar concept and saw that everybody walking the strip had their phones out and was taking pictures and said Las Vegas probably has more people taking pictures than anywhere else in the world this should be our flagship and coincidentally then the link people who had seen his presentation called him and said hey we really want you to come in and take a look so they came to an agreement pretty quickly and so it was, it was good for both of them they wanted something that would be a little bit different but there are going to be these franchises all around the country but this is really going to be the flagship it's going to have this polaroid museum and special events spaces and all kinds of other things interesting so link is really coming together um, Chuck, what's your take on Link at this point in time? Are you excited about Link? Or are you indifferent? <sighs> pretty, pretty into it, huh? Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, that's my take. <laughs> yeah, you think it's boring? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I just. I'm not particularly. It doesn't strike my fancy. I'm not. I'm not so interested in it. Well, you know, people in Las Vegas needed a place to gather and to meet because those things were previously uh, unprovided. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, something like the high roller, I'm sure I'll try it. Uh, I can't imagine it's something that I would do more than once in my life. 
um, unless it is uh, a lot more exciting than I'm imagining it to be. Um, it'd be nice to see some nice views and take a couple of snapshots, but um, I can't imagine it being a repeat thing for me. Uh, so I don't know. The the tenants that they've announced personally don't really interest me very much. I mean, I'm sure some of them are fine. I just I haven't heard anything that has made me want to jump out and say I can't wait for that to open so I can check it out. Hunter, how many times have you been to the top of the stratosphere? Like twice. Okay. Dave, how many times have you been to the top of the stratosphere? Dave? Did we lose Dave? No, I'm right here. I would say four or five times. Four or five times? Four or five times. Okay. I've been twice. Once I went because I wanted to, and then once I went because I was bringing somebody else up there. Yeah. And I think the same thing is going to be with Link. I think you're right. With the high roller. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think you're right. I'm sure that some of those restaurants will do good business just because people need to eat and they're right there. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I can't imagine that it's going to change the world. Um, then again, yeah. it was like a pretty smelly, dirty alley before, so it don't, it's definitely an improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change the world. I think it will give Caesars Entertainment Corporation that ancillary slice of wallet share of people coming to Las Vegas, which is what they need. You know, they, they're deeply in debt in the, in the 90s and even in the 2000s. You could grow by adding more hotel rooms. Clearly, they can't do that. So this is basically the only way they can try to maximize their property there, which they've invested very heavily in. So pretty much that's – I mean, it's a, it's a smart plan for what they're doing. You know, is it, is it as exciting as a new property? No, but it's what they need. I'm totally going to use the term wallet share in the future. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I've been hanging around with too many uh, too many analyst types. Yeah. I like that one. Um, right on. Well, Link is going to open um, relatively soon, right? At one point they were talking about 2013, but now I'm hearing 2014 for at least parts of it, right? I think some elements are going to be open by New Year's Eve. I think most of it should be open by the end of the first quarter of 2014. Yeah, okay. So it's, but, it's, it's you know, coming. Yeah. Oh, it definitely. I mean, it's amazing seeing all the work going on there, just driving past it and seeing how it's all progressing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Caesars Entertainment and uh, the biggest announcement in the history of Las Vegas, mm. um, Britney Spears. We are going to talk about Britney Spears on the show, if not, if only for <laughs> a moment. Um, she is coming along, you know, long rumored worst kept secret in entertainment history. Um, Britney Spears is doing a residency deal at Planet Hollywood, sort of at, modeled sort of after we've seen shows like this from Celine Dion and shorter shows from other bands like uh, Motley Crue and uh, others. I mean, this is the thing, right? You now you set up, set up a famous artist in a theater, you stick them in Las Vegas and they sign them to a multi-year deal um, for huge amounts of money and people come and see them. So this is finally announced. Um, with a kind of, I mean, I don't know. They the uh, the hype leading up to their announcement was a sort of fever pitch, and I thought the announcement, the parts that I saw, were pretty lame. Um, so I'm I'm not sure that the actual announcement paid off on all the hype that they uh, were feeding us. But you know, she's doing this show. I'm sure it's going to be a success. I I don't follow her career closely, um, but my understanding is, uh, you know, she's she's off her peak, but I'm sure still has a ton of a uh, ton of fans 
in Las Vegas and or around the world and that are, that are willing to come to Vegas and see her show. Um, I don't know how much there is to say about this other than, you know, Planet Hollywood, it, it, they now have a consistent draw. I'll be curious to see if Britney fans are big gamblers and, um, you know, the great casino customers. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily guess yes, but maybe her demographic is so wide that it's pretty much anybody because um, she was, you know, such a big pop star back in the day. I don't know. Dave, do you did you buy your tickets? I have not. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have not. And I probably will not. If your daughter said, I want to go see Britney Spears, what would you say? Uh, I don't think she would. You know, a fresh beat band, yeah, but yeah, probably. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know what what the show would be like. So, God, who knows? I'm expecting a lot of lip syncing and cheesy dance moves. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a different taste. But you've got to remember, Celine was that ten years ago. Yeah, is that ten years already? Probably was. You know, that was. You know, that was kind of way out there too. So, it's kind of good that they're moving ahead. They're trying new things. You know, you never know what's gonna what's gonna really take off. She, I mean, they, she seems sort of like a, a little bit of a mental case from what you read about her in like TMZ and whatnot. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering if she can hold it together for two years of shows. Yeah, it's tough. You know, you got to think maybe she will turn it around. You know, obviously some of the celebrities don't. Some of them do. So yeah. You know, I guess you never know, and I would hope they have insurance or something to cover that <laughs> in case they don't. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Some business interruption insurance because yeah. Britney went crazy. Um, so, Chuck, you Britney probably would not have been your top choice uh, as a Las Vegas resident headliner, but if you could choose, who would you install in that position? Who would I install as a headliner for a – you know, I, I think a band like Wilco would be a great – Interesting choice. A great place to set them up in a – I think I even wrote about this a few years ago. To set them up in a room where their gear is always set up, you know. And as a semi-retired musician, when your stuff is always set up in the room and you start to learn the room and feel the room and you've got your people there and they're always coming, you know, you – you start to build roots into the ground and a band like Wilco's, uh, you know, the, the improvisation and creativity happens in the moment in their performances. And I think that their kind of music would be pretty exciting in that, in that kind of domain. Cause they can play it straight, the early show and then the late show, they can get pretty weird. So I, I would have always would have loved to have seen a Wilco residency, you know, it would be off the wall and kind of bizarre, but that that would be cool. The one thing about the Britney thing that I thought was interesting was uh, the uh, – it looks like they're putting a bunch of VIP tables around the front right, of the stage. Right, the setup, the configuration. Yeah, and a couple of rings of that sort of stuff. So uh, it made me think, you know, more blurring of the lines. Right. Just like with Vibe Dining, now Vibe uh, – Concerting. Concerting, so – Instead no, of putting VIPs in the balcony, now they're going to be VIPs at the front of the row with bottle service and all that other crap. So. It is a really interesting um, idea, right? And in some ways, it's almost like going back to the way some of those dinner theater-type yeah. entertainment used to be, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, it is it is very interesting to see how it works out. I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money with uh, with this because, you know, like I said, she's popular even though she's not necessarily at the top of her game anymore. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Anyway, long rumored. I'm glad we don't have to listen to Robin Leach talk about this anymore. Uh, I'm sure he'll be there opening night, though. 
Yes. Um, moving on. Moving on. Uh, this is a story that was on VegasStripping.com. It's a great website. You should check it out. Uh, talking about a villa at the Mirage. Video of the villa. So first off, video guy, please, landscape mode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no more portrait video. Um, but why don't you tell us about this, uh, Chuck, because you posted this, wrote about this. Very, coo- very cool video, something that um, we see every once in a while. Uh, these kinds of videos make their way out, but it, uh, it's always nice to get a sneak peek. Yeah, well, uh, Rick uh, emailed us and said, hey, I got a video. Of this, do you want to post it? And I said, well, sure, I'd love to. And he uh, sent me the video and a story that went with it. Apparently, he had been booked in another villa, but the, it was not renovated. But the guy who was in there said, I'm not checking out till 8. So they bumped him over to a lanai suite. And then they called him back and said, oh, well, we have this other villa for you too, one of the new ones. So he got to keep both of these the lanai and the villa and he ended up going into the villa and taking a walkthrough video uh of it with with a really great uh he 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 uh he has a great tone of his voice he made fun of his voice in his in his comments that he wrote which i found to be sort of strange because he has a real resonant baritone yeah, tone right, to yes. it and he walked around and, and and uh checked it out you know it's tough to see with a video uh a lot of times what the hell's going on but I tell you, this villa was just sparkling. It was really well lit, beautiful. All the lights were on. Uh, the fittings were classic, uh, elegant. They had just great like touches, like all the molding was perfect and painted and lovely. And the little bits of, of modern furniture and artwork in there accentuated the classic sense of of the room. This is a, you know, this is designed. What was this? Nineteen eighty-six? Would you say it was when this probably went to to paper and then opened in eighty-nine? Uh, so we're talking about a what twenty, thirty-year-old product here that's been reskinned, and they did a fantastic job with with redesigning this these rooms. It, it it's quite gorgeous, and it made me long for the missed opportunity at Bellagio. This is the kind of classic gorgeous sense that I would love to have seen in the the uh, standard room renovations that they did at Bellagio a year or two year ago. Uh, the, the, the green ones with the ones with the wallpaper and all that other nonsense. So if you haven't checked it out, it's really worth, it's definitely some good Vegas room porn worth checking out. And I would, if any of those MGM folks are listening to it, good job. Uh, and give us more of that stuff, that kind of stuff in the standard rooms that's aspirational that's the thing that makes you look and say that's why i want to stay there because it makes you feel like a king yeah no it is it is a cool video definitely recommend it if you're into casino porn um i was especially impressed by a lot of the um expansive outdoor stuff which is always of course something that really sets these types of rooms apart from just a big suite someplace i mean he's got this awesome outdoor setup very very cool um, definitely recommend you go check it out. Uh, it's on VegasTripping.com. I'll link to it in the show notes, but uh, it's easy to find. Downtown Grand opens 1026. We're going to be talking to Downtown Grand operator Seth Shore at the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic on October 19th. So just roughly you know, a little bit less than a week before his grand opening, he's going to sit down with us to talk about what that process has been like, what he's planning to do. 
um, at Downtown Grand. Um, so we finally have a date, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be open for Vimp, which is too bad. Would love to have been able to send everybody over there to check it out. But, um, you know, uh, it'll be there for a long time to come, so plenty of other opportunities. Uh, yeah, I guess the only other thing I wanted to say about this was we have, I think, now confirmed that they are going to have a fee, though they're not calling it a resort fee. It is a, what, an experience fee? Um, I'm not sure. Did I get that right? Something like that. Anyway, yeah. uh, we will be asking him about this. Resort fees are a topic that continues, <laughs> so I'm just always curious what the logic behind it was. Is it you know, uh, just the price of doing business these days? Anyway, um, something that we'll be asking about. Some folks had speculated that they would not have a resort fee, um, but it looks like they do. Yep. So there we go. The old bait and switch. Just because we don't call it a resort fee doesn't mean it's not a resort fee. Well, and I, I do want to ask about the designation because uh, I just want to understand what that means. Why call it something else? Um, because, uh, you know, if you're going to charge one, it's some it's somewhat accepted nomenclature, resort fee. So um, people that don't do that, and I don't know what the circumstances here, but people that don't do that, uh, you sometimes got to wonder why they made that decision. So we will ask. We're going to have that opportunity, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, WorldSeriesOfPoker.com, WSOP.com launch. I want to talk about this briefly before we shove off for the day. Um, so, you know, online poker is getting uh, – the gears are rolling. The engine is flowing um, in Nevada. And um, we now have the uh, World Series of Poker entrant into this market, which is a big deal. Of course, a hugely powerful brand of poker. Um, you know, uh, Dave, you, uh, you were the one that reminded me that this was happening today. So why don't you tell us why this is important? It's a big deal because it shows that there is definitely some, you know, there's definitely desire for other companies getting in the market for this. The fact that there's demand for it shows that there's going to be a customer demand for it too. And I think it really shows that this is here to stay. It's not going away. And, and if anything, it's going to be getting bigger and pretty much, uh, more prevalent and a bigger part of the Nevada gaming picture in the future. Yeah. So, I mean, we have talked about this stuff uh, a little bit on this show. Um, and, you know, mostly I think it's interesting to mark these occasions as I th- we're going to see this as this becomes more and more important. As these bigger brands enter these markets, uh, we're going to look back and chart the timeline. And so it's interesting to note this today as an important mm-hmm. launch. I'll be very curious to see. Um, how the market share breaks down, and I don't know this. It, are are the reporting requirements, regulatory stuff? Are we going to find out the relative market shares of these different companies? Do you know? No, we're not okay. going to find that out. We're going to wait until there's a third company, of, third online company involved before they even break it out from the general statewide. Interesting. Okay, so we're not going to get numbers for a while. It sounds like, but uh, it will be very interesting to see how what the uptake is like on this stuff uh, if we ever do get some good intel. Oh, all right. I think that is going to do it for today. Um, let's see. So, of course, we will be doing a live show October nineteenth at the D. You go to VegasInternetMafia.com for more information. We really hope to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so now, uh, as is our want, uh, we will do our sure bits, sure bits, sure bit. Wow. Hmm. 
Sure Bets segment, uh, which is our opportunity to share with you something that uh, we think you might like. So it can be casino related, doesn't have to be, just something that we think is cool that we want you to know about. Uh, Dave, do you have anything for us today? I have something very simple, but at the same time, very meaningful, and that is gratitude. Oh, okay. I'm just so grateful to you and to Chuck and to everybody who's helped me get Grandissimo this far. It's really, you know, it's just a great feeling to know that your work is appreciated by so many people and that so many people are so generous and willing to help. So it's simple, simple gratitude to everybody. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's always, you know, always good to remember. And uh, I, I could say it's, uh, I think, I can think I can speak for both of us. It's our pleasure to help, and I'm yes. glad the community was involved as well. Uh, Chuck, I know you've had a crazy week. I don't know if you had any time to think about this. Anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I would like to, uh, instead of uh, gratitude, I'd like to talk about uh, rabble rousers. Uh, Instigators, troublemakers, uh, people who uh, sacrifice for the name of in the name of truth and provocation. Uh, I watched this documentary the other day on the Russian punk band Pussy Riot. Oh, on HBO, I've seen that. Yeah, Pussy Riot colon a punk prayer, and it got me thinking about uh, you know these the women in this group are just incredibly intelligent and from from the conception of their performance art to the way they handle themselves in court as they're being charged with all of these things it was uh, it made this art student just proud to be alive and it made me think of of the great uh, Nigerian musician uh, Fela Anukulapwe Kuti who some of you may know or may not know, mm-hmm. but he's a seventies and eighties. He, uh, he, uh, basically made these really crazy funk albums, long, long tunes. And they all were about protest. He created the Kalakuta Republic, which was basically his compound. And he declared it his own country. And the Nigerian government came in and stormed his, his compound uh, they threw his mother out the window. Uh, they did all sorts of horrible stuff. He married 36 women so he could get them out of the country. He he put out hundreds of uh, albums, which most of which languish in obscurity, all of which are pretty brilliant. And he fought for the truth that we all need to know. And uh, in this day of 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 quick uh, quick bites of of discussion and fleeting twittering and the easy way out people like this i think are an inspiration that we should all look to yeah that's a great one i i really enjoyed that documentary as well so definitely recommend it if you have uh if you have hbo it's on demand i think if you have hbo they also have the hbo go app and website that you can grab it on i know it's on there because that's where i watched it so yeah definitely recommend it cool thanks man um, I'm going to talk about um, iOS 7. Big surprise, probably. Uh, and so since it gets a lot of coverage on its own, I don't think I need to go into too much detail. But I do think it's a great update if you have an iPhone or an iPad. It's definitely different and might take you a little bit of time to adjust. But I think they've laid a lot of really great groundwork for the future with this update. And um, I'm really excited about where it's going. So it's very cool. One thing I would say, in case you haven't done the update yet, uh, if 
if you have an it runs on the iPhone 4 or later, I would probably tell you that if you have an iPhone 4, maybe don't apply the update. The iPhone 4S, which is a a year uh a year came out a year after the iPhone 4 runs it just fine, but on um, the iPhone 4 it's a little bit slow. So, uh, just a little uh consumer safety tip there. It's sort <laughs> of it's right at the edge of what uh what can technically run it and while it's supported um, it might not be the greatest experience. So maybe go into that with a little bit of caution since you can't go back. You can only go one way. Um, all right. So, yes, iOS 7, if you have an iPhone or an iPad, uh, it's available free through Apple through, you know, go uh, go to your Genius Bar uh, if you have trouble. Don't call me. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. So <laughs> don't forget to uh, rate the show on iTunes. It helps other people find the show, which is super important. That's really important to us. We want people to hear hear what we have to say because it is so important because we are so awesome. Um, you can go to VegasGangPodcast.com yeah. to leave comments about this episode. We always love to hear from you. And uh, if you have a question or whatever, we can address it on the show in the future or right there in the comments. You could reach us on Twitter at VegasGang. Um, and, of course, let me go around the table here, and you guys can tell people where they can find you. So, Dr. Dave, where can people find you? People can find me at dgschwartz.com and grandissimobook.com. Mucho excelente. And, Chuck Monster, where can people track you, Dan? People can find me at vegastripping.com. Excellent. And I'm at vegasmate.com. I really encourage you to check out the app if you haven't already. Uh, really would love to hear from you. Uh, thanks. Have a great weekend. All right. Cool. Yeah. On October 19, 2013, the Vegas Internet Mafia family picnic invades the D. Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Featuring 500 by Midnight, the original Las Vegas podcast. Tits McGee! The Vegas Gang podcast, featuring special guest Seth Shore, CEO of Fifth Street Gaming. As you've already surmised, we are the smartest people in the entire world. Vegas tripping match game. This is going to be really, really great. It's going to be like Animal House. And Stump Dr. Dave. I have a lot of strange conversations. Plus, the first ever World Series of Satin Casino Jackets gorgeous pool table the 777th running of the Kentucky Derby and a very special after party featuring a concert by multi-platinum Juno award winner Our Lady Peace Visit VegasInternetMafia.com for details, hotel room discounts, and more. The 2013 Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic. Be there.